0: Hey guys, it's Nick, the lesser half of the Change My Mind podcast. Just wanted to let you guys know, you can buy Change My Mind merch over on Teespring. You just got to head over to the Geeks Worldwide store where you can find t-shirts, sweatshirts, and phone cases.
1: I swear these other podcasts is just a waste of time. I'm skipping through, I'd rather listen and change my mind. Wes and Nick always help me through my daily grind. Your favorite guys, your favorite lines, change my mind. I swear these other podcasts is just a waste of time. I'm skipping through, I'd rather listen and change my mind. Wes and Nick always help me through my daily grind. Your favorite guys, your favorite lines, change my mind. Yeah. Nick, when was the last time you had a professionally mixed drink? Man, I don't even, I don't normally get mixed drinks in
0: general. I mean, are we, can I just say like the last time someone poured like scotch for me or whatever somewhere?
1: Well, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, like the, oh, okay, uh, the last sorry. time you had someone uh, make you a drink that you paid for or, right. or you know, you you bought a drink from a bartender or something like that, you know. See, I'm
0: not up and up on the vernacular when it comes to that. I apologize. <laughs> I would say, oh, God, it had to be in February probably, not, not probably not too long
1: before the shutdown. Yeah, probably something like that. Why do you ask? This well, it, it was probably around the same amount of time for me until this weekend. You know, I feel like things are starting to open back up again. Restaurants are entering the first phase uh here in Massachusetts where you can kind of have outdoor seating to a limited capacity. So uh, you know, played a little golf this on Friday and then went to uh Main Street in Falmouth. Nice little little charming street uh down in the Cape there. Falmouth's and, the best place was packed place was mobbed but but you know we uh we got we got some drinks we got some pizza got some apps sat was- down you know it was crazy it's weird like you you know you enter the restaurant with a mask and then um and then you sit down at the table and you could take it off yeah it's- which is you know kind of interesting but you know l- listen i shouldn't yeah. be uh talking shit or anything i'm just happy that we're getting back to this point um and, and then hopefully you know we get no setbacks from here I don't blame you for talking shit, though. I mean, it's just—it's
0: just a strange time. I think yeah. that the restaurant owners would say the same thing. It's just it's such a bizarre concept. We're all walking around with bane masks on, and it's—it's it's totally normal. Where pre-March, if you were walking around with masks, you would assume that they're yeah. really sick, they deal with allergies, anything like that, or they're up to no good. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much it. I mean, you yeah. see a random person walking around with a bandana on their face. I saw some at Walmart today when I went grocery shopping, and it's like. Oh, okay. That's the mask that they go with. Fine. Like, I've walked around with a bandana a couple of times, so it's just it I hate the whole new normal because I hate buzzwords that just come I, out of nowhere. I agree, but that's that's kind of what it is right now, and you just gotta. The only people that shouldn't be out with masks on, I guess, are people who are running. And I only say that because I don't wear a mask when I run. Other also, than that,
1: you gotta wear one. Also agree. Uh, big takeaway from from your little rant there. You do your grocery shopping at Walmart. Uh, yeah, Walmart or BJ's yeah oh okay all yeah, right so it's like I'm a super for. walmart then it's not like one of those smaller sizes it's like a it's like a big superstore.
0: yeah i'm used to i mean there's one in dartmouth and there's one in somerset there's one in fall river i mean they're all pretty much the same size they're like really tiny ones that i don't know about well you know
1: the one by me in wareham just got you know was very big but there's some before like i know there's one on the cape that's a little bit more truncated you don't have uh, you know it's it's more like a supermarket than like a surplus store if that makes sense gotcha gotcha yeah i mean i would say
0: this feels this i mean it's, i mean i always look at it as a supermarket it has all the other stuff but i mean like it's like tech in the back clothes in the middle kid section off to the side there may be like fishing stuff and then it's just like food throughout a good portion, like around the edges. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't yeah, know if that, that kind of helps. they're They're all like that. But the other thing too, you're speaking of places open up, Toy Vault, which is where I go to in Dartmouth, our guy, Eddie's Toy yeah. Box, he runs the place over there. Actually, he runs all of them. Uh, now, I actually got to go in there for the first time, obviously, in months. I got to see him and some of the other people there. It's It was, oh, I was overwhelmed. It was so awesome to be back in there. I knew I missed it. I just didn't know how much I missed it because, man, it's just, this is what you do. It's part of your ritual. You go, I go there once a week. You know, Wednesday
1: or Friday every week, and haven't had that for what feels like a year. And it's just weird seeing people that you normally see like now in person again after some time. It's just kind of awkward. Like we haven't seen each other, you know, in person probably since this whole thing has started. Uh, maybe probably before that, to be honest with you, right? Yeah. Uh, and and it's like we talk on a weekly basis. And it's like the first time we see each other, I feel like in person, it's just going to be like. Oh, yeah, this is kind of weird.
0: <laughs> uh, no, it'll be a nice little sense of relief for me, and then we'll probably get, you know, one of us will get into one, and then we'll forget the rest of the night. Yeah. Um, oh, wow, that sounds, yeah,
1: that sounds romantic. It, well, I mean... <laughs> uh, on that note, welcome back. <laughs> Episode 70 oh, of the definitely. My Mind podcast. Uh, you know, if you don't already know, I'm Wesley Sykes, and uh, coming through the other side of the ether there, uh, very hot, is uh, the Pete Davidson to my butthole eyes. Mr. I, mean, I, guess, I guess when you put
0: it like that, I guess that is pretty hot. I mean,
1: <laughs> Pete, D- I'll
0: tell you what, we're, you know, what you're going to tell everybody what we're talking about, but I look at him a lot differently than I did going into this. And I'll explain why later.
1: All right. That's a, that's a, what we like to call big market tease here. And of course, uh, we have like fresh content for the first time where we don't have to really like manufacture an idea or, or a topic for an episode. Because we have a new movie that came out this week on demand, uh, released everywhere. Judd Apatow's latest flick, uh, The King of Staten Island, starring Pete Davidson. So, of course, that'll be a lot of fun. We'll get into that, give our scores, what we think about it, um, Yeah, what were some favorite parts, what were some downfalls, all that good stuff. And probably rank uh, some Judd Apatow movies at the end there, uh, because he's got a growing catalog, as they say. You can say that, that's for damn sure. Real quick, before we move on to what's trending...
0: We had some fresh content over, was it the last two weeks where we talked about animated movies, which are a very, very important, crucial uh, part of society, mm. I'd like to add.
1: Uh, crucial, <laughs> right. Uh, it depends on your definition of the term crucial, but, you know, I, uh, semantics. Who, who are we to argue semantics here? Uh, no. You know, if you ask me, it was a little forced. I was happy to do it, you know, a little, a little forced. <laughs> it uh, be, this is the only way that Wes
0: would ever agree <laughs> to do those
1: things. I'm just... Yeah, we're in a pandemic. You know, we all have to make sacrifices one way or another. Uh, speaking of animation, the Spider-Man Miles Morales video game uh, was, what, preview teaser trailer for the new oh, PS5? Gosh, Wes, and uh, so this weird. is like sex on wheels. It's just, this whole
0: situation, though, has been so strange because we see all the news come out. Everybody's tweeting about it. All of the, the comic book nerd community, everybody's loving it. And I saw this like, holy shit, Miles Morales is getting his own game. Awesome. Love it. He, I mean, obviously, he's a great character, made even more popular by Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And then the day after, we all find out about it, and everybody goes crazy, and everybody's excited. And everybody's like, I'm going to buy the shit out of this game and beat it in you know 15 hours. We then hear, "Oh, it's downloadable content."
1: Yeah, I, not I was an, so thrown off by this. So this is a continuation of the PS4 Spider-Man game. Well, that's what you would—that's what you would think, right? That, but then, as I'm getting prepared for our
0: show and I'm double-checking, you know, research and everything like that, because you know, a lot of stuff goes out on Twitter and all these different things, and you got to be careful what sites you rely on.
1: And, and we're st- big J journalists, yeah. Let's oh, let's not beat God. around the bush here.
0: Of course. Then I see insomniac who I have heard of before is now reporting and I think screen Rant picked this up too that it's a standalone game so
1: maybe As it should
0: be I mean it should be I'm just wondering are people was it the outrage on Twitter or the, the support on Twitter for this that that led to that decision I don't know but I'm, I'm I'm glad that that's the decision they're gonna make you know I haven't I have the Xbox one I've never been a PlayStation guy I wish I was because then I would have gotten the spider-man game but this looks like an awesome game. I don't devote time, time to games anymore, Wes, because if I do, I get consumed by it. It's, it's awful. I can't control it. The last game I did that with was Skyrim. I learned from it and <laughs> never
1: again. Yeah, it was the same way with uh, GTA San Andreas. You know, I haven't had a gaming system since the Xbox 360. I had the PS2 and 360 as a pr- uh, product of uh, – as, as a COD you know, child of divorce, uh, you know, each, each parent's got to one up each other with a new system. So, uh, you know, I, I, may have reaped the benefits of that to a certain degree, but not since then, you know, I haven't had a system, so it looks cool. I probably won't cave and what put in the $1,200 for the PS five. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll wait for a, a buddy of mine to go get it and then I'll go mooch off him or something. There you go. That's, right? what you gotta that's, do that's it. how everyone does it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that's not the only thing that's coming out that, that we've heard news about, I guess, the White right, West was not there something new on Disney Plus?
1: Uh, yeah, so we have, uh, moving forward and trending now, Artemis Fowl, which we were talking about at the end of last week's episode, whether it was going to be coming out, you know, this week, the same day, uh, June 12th, as, as the King of Staten Island, or a week after. Um, it came out. It's out. You know, it's uh, available to stream now on Disney Plus, and the early reception is not good. Ooh. Not good. So the uh, I'll give you a couple uh, samples of some headlines here. Rolling Stone headline. When YA classic adaptations go wrong, this bland Disney version of the popular pint size evil genius books loses the feel of the perversely pleasurable kids lit series. I'm not sure if perversely pleasurable what? kids should ever be that close together. Like Those three no. words probably should never be involved in a sentence uh, of any kind. Uh, and then, and then, you know, of course, the director Kenneth Branagh. Branagh, yeah. I, I, I screwed go. up because this is the Thor director, right? Yes. Uh, Kenneth Branagh's film has no reason to exist other than to spawn sequels. That's from the New York Times. Oh. Um, and it's currently at a ten twenty-two critic audience split on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Jeez, that is not rough. not good. No, that's not good. Now, I never read these books. I think I tried to, but. I, I eventually learned that just if it's not if it's not in a newspaper or on a website, then I need pictures in order to read it. <laughs> I just learned that about myself. Yeah, I don't Good to be honest. Well, Yeah, you got to be right. But I, I never so I never saw the appeal with these. I, I tried to get into it as a kid. I just but I didn't like I said, I, I just couldn't. Are you still thinking you want to watch this and review it? I mean, I'm all about watching bad movies and bashing them.
1: That's what I, I think we should, you know, unless maybe something else spawns up over the next hour or so. Um, you know, I think we should probably move forward with it. And, and maybe it's just um, something so bad along the lines of uh, the unwatchable series uh, yeah. with, uh, with, 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 uh, was it ghost rider?
0: Yeah. Ghost rider. Yes. you were going to lump in mortal combat with that for a second. I, yeah, I, we I could. Really... We could, don't do that. Don't do that. We've <laughs> never been so separated on a movie. It was, it was remarkable. Um, but else, uh, some other things that came up too. Nickelodeon says that SpongeBob is gay ahead of Pride Month. I do you? Are you surprised?
1: Is it, uh, it no, you? it's not surprised. Yeah, you know, this this came. Uh, you know, it, it was a bit of a bombshell. I think they released on Twitter. Um, you know, they they sent out a tweet with some uh, you know LGBT LGBT. I think I said that correctly. Uh, you know, Q characters uh, from from Nickelodeon there, and SpongeBob was the first one on there. Uh, oh. so it's got Twitter all up in an uproar not an uproar, but, you know, I think everyone's, uh, you know, g- giving them a pat in the back and everything, uh, for it, you know, SpongeBob, yeah, it's tough coming out. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, struggle with it your whole life and, uh, SpongeBob was on air for how long, you know, 20, 20 seasons. And he finally came out, but you know, you know, what's kind of funny is, um, you know, usually in these situations, like. You know, you go to tell your friends and that person might be, like, really nervous or, or something like that. And they tell your friends, and like, dude, we knew this whole time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, why did it take you so long to tell us? I think it's one of those situations. Like, I think you could, could have picked up on the vibes of SpongeBob and be like, yeah, yeah this, this is gay guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see high that. High-pitched voice, you know. He seems I'm oddly, like, like, kind of, like, asexual. Mm-hmm. No, he, he did.
0: I mean, that's the thing is I honestly, as a kid, I didn't think about that as much – at all, and it, it, it doesn't to me. It's okay, fine, great. I mean, that's it, it doesn't really. I don't know. Uh, to me, it's just that these things now. It's it's just. I think it's just normal. Not 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 the new normal. None of that stuff. It's just normal. If the, if a character is gay or lesbian or whatever. I, okay, cool. Like it did good for them,
1: I guess. Like now, I I wonder, like, is the show creator was he always gay, or was this something that they've retroactively done? Yeah, I think it's retroactive. I think that
0: the show creator said that he was asexual. I think that was the whole. uh, Well, I mean, it's a kids' show,
1: you know. So like, yeah, and and he is a sponge, uh, dealing with a starfish and a squid and a squirrel in an astronaut suit. Right. Don't Uh, forget, Mr. Krabs too. Oh, Mr. Krabs as well, which again would would present its own type of problems in the bedroom. Right,
0: true. But my thing is, was it just that now, like like where I think it's good that we have this. To me, though, I don't see it as a big deal. And isn't that kind of the goal? Like that we want it to be just normal. This is just okay. That's that's great
1: because it's a part of life. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I think more sponges should come out with their sexuality. You know, uh, I think this could be opening up a wave. Maybe maybe some Brillo pads uh, will come out. You know who? Who knows?
0: You know what's funny is as much as we're talking about SpongeBob, when I just hear "Sponge" by itself, I still don't always think of him first. Sometimes I think of is he Sponge-worthy? Like oh, Seinfeld. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I
1: see. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know some some other uh, maybe not childhood cartoon characters, but maybe some people, uh, some other brand uh, cartoons, I guess, for lack of a better term. You know, like maybe Mister Clean. You know, he, he's, he always was in great shape for an older guy, you know, always had a, uh, you know, very, very tight looking uh, outerwear, yeah. you know, took care of his face and everything. Maybe, and maybe Mr. Bronny, like Mr. Bronny, the Bronny man, uh, you know, he could be like a really butch guy, you know, and maybe he's like the beard or something like that. Yeah. To me, power bottom, if you will. Yeah. yeah. To me, it's just,
0: okay. If that's, that's how <laughs> the creator or whoever owns the rights to the character Wants the character to be, to be, I guess, in life, in, in their fictitious life. And cool, fine by me. I, I it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm gonna like him or not like them either way. I mean, Constantine. We talked about it with Justice League Dark. He was sleeping oh, yeah. with a shark, and he's very fluid with everything. I love Constantine. Doesn't matter to me.
1: It's just part of life. Well, like uh, like part of my take, the uh, Change My Mind podcast is a sex positive podcast. Here, yeah, I think I think that's the big takeaway today. <laughs> Um, other things that have been taken away, talk about that segue. Uh, live PD, Cops, uh, maybe Paw Patrol. Are you serious? You know, all all officially canceled. So, so live PD and Cops were um, definitely taken off the air amid mm-hmm. these uh, you know current George Floyd protests. And uh, cops has, has been on the air for like 32, 33 seasons, uh, since 1989. You know, obviously you got the bad boys uh, um, intro song there. Yeah. Um, and then the live PD has been kind of risen up quickly um, over the last four years. I think it was on A&E uh, since 2016. Um, and, th- and those were both taken off the air. But the the kids show Paw Patrol kind of came under uh, some fire. Uh, they shared a tweet saying that they would be muting all of its content from June 2nd to June uh, 7th. Uh, to pay respects to the ongoing protest protests and the black lives matters and and the uh, death of George Floyd. Um, And then that drew a lot of responses saying that they um, glorify uh, police work when at a time that, you know, maybe some saying it shouldn't be, Uh, Um, but they've said that it's not likely to happen because uh, Nickelodeon has recently renewed the series for an eighth season. And it also has a uh, theatrical film coming out. Paw Patrol, the movie uh, that's supposed to be released in August of 2021. So, you know, I'm sure those are big, um, you know, financial investments and uh, revenue streams for Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, live PD cops. I, I get that. Yeah. A kid show with dogs and cats that are, um, you know, dressed up as uh public servants and, yeah, I, I'm not so sure if there's anything.
0: That wrong seems with that. like a bit much to me. That's that just seems like a reach. But there's there are a lot of people who there are some people who are kind of I don't want to say straddling the fence, but people. I mean, it doesn't have to be one side or the other. But there are a lot of people who are doing that, and then there's some people who are in that kind of middle ground. And I I don't think there's necessarily something wrong with that. I think that that's where usually most compromises come down to. And I get it that now we need to see one side more so than, than we have in the past. And I'm, I'm with that, but to go and just get rid of everything like this, I I was watching, you know, I was going to mention it in, in uh, quarantine corner, but I've been watching Lucifer and Mm -hmm. that's Lucifer's like number two is a cop. And I'm and and he's working with cops completely throughout at least the first season of the show. And I'm sure that's what the rest of the show is, too. I'm wondering what's going to happen with shows like this going forward where you have cops in any sort of role. Whatsoever, and how are you going to deal with having dirty cops in it because you have dirty cops in cop shows all the time and then they get rid of them and blah 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 all this? Oh, stuff. sure,
1: like so any, any major handle? mobster movie, Godfather, uh, you know, yeah. Law and Order comes brings up a uh, you know, all those catalogs of uh, yeah. different different spin offs and everything. Um, you know, so it's like, yeah, what do you do with the dirty cops? What do you do with the uh, good cops? You know, I, I, I think you know. You, the idea of bringing up censorship, obviously, we work in the media, and I think this might be yeah, uh, you know, a little sensitive subject for two people who work in the media. But the idea of censorship, um, I, I think, is kind of absurd. I think you should leave it out there, uh, both sides, all sides. And then, you know, hopefully your audience or the people who are absorbing this information are smart enough to uh, make their own decisions based off of what they absorb. Yeah. And, and not necessarily um, censor or hide the fact or not make things as easily available to people to seek out um, in the hope in, in the, the idea that you're protecting them. If we cancel out everything,
0: everybody, we're going to have pretty much just according to Jim that's what everything's going to be. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. What I mean,
1: wants. This is what, what started with uh, a lot of stand-up comedians, right? So, you know, the idea that you can, uh, the stage and standup comedy is, um, some sacred place where, you know, nothing is really out of bounds and everything is, a uh, you know, available to get made fun of. Um, you know, suddenly that's getting infringed upon and, uh, you know, and, and now you're starting to see, um, you know, Joe Rogan, I know Pete Davidson, uh, you know, someone we're going to be talking about shortly. Um, won't allow you to have cell phones in in your and um, during their shows because they don't want you know something to be taken out of context within a comedy show that's supposed to be a joke and then uh, get taken out of there and then yeah and then you know you get canceled. That makes sense. You know, I
0: I think what this what all of this is I hope that everybody's realizing is that it's going in with a, a, like the, the right mind and trying to help resolve what's been going on that's been wrong in the country. They just, they they look at it and see that things need to change, but that does not mean we get rid of everything. That's not how it works. That's not how you resolve everything. You you, you resolve things. Then you're going to deal with a whole new foundation or whatever. And then people are going to want to tear that down. And then you're going to create more conflict. I'm not saying there are things you don't, there are things that need to change and there are things you need to get rid of. But that does, I just like, look, we, we, we're going really far into this. And I've talked I about know, it a lot.
1: This is deep, but you know, it's, it's like, it, it should, you should be able to have a conversation about it. Something you don't agree with and then, and then be able to have something productive out of that conversation. Or it's something. not about it's talking along those at lines. People. That's the biggest thing is yeah. you're. if you're trying to resolve things and you talk at someone and they're
0: talking at you, nothing is going to get, nothing's going to get fixed. That's what shows like ours are for. We just talk at each other. That's fine. That's harmless. That's true. That's good but stuff. In general, it's, if you're trying to resolve shit, you need to hear both sides and see where you can try and help get to some ground where everybody is getting treated fairly. Cause I understand that that's the problem at the end of all is that certain people aren't getting treated fairly. And that's a problem. Can't agree with that more.
1: Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And just to, to put a bow on this uh, part of the segment here, uh, gone with the wind was pulled by HBO max for, um, I believe they have some sort of racially sensitive uh, scenes or dialogue in there. Uh, it's, have not seen that movie probably since my intro to film class, uh, freshman year of college. So uh, I, I'm not completely familiar with that. But there's also been news that the, it might get put back on. So it's just really uh, HBO Max kind of putting their finger in the air and finding out which way the wind is blowing. Uh, but, but always, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has also had some episodes scrubbed from the UK version of Netflix, which has gotten the attention of a lot of It's Always Sunny fans. Of course, they've done things uh, – with the idea of blackface and obviously blackface is not uh, something that, that you ever really want to joke about. But, you know, if you want to discuss about the manner in which they're doing it, I think they're kind of making fun of the people and taking the power away from the people who think um, that it's okay to do it. I, you know, that's just my kind of take on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but you know, this, this is just happening, not just with cops is, is just what I'm saying. You know, this That's is the part of comedy of that
0: people. is, that's the part of comedy that is going to take the most hit in all this is making fun of the people that do those sorts of things because some people don't see it as you're making fun of the people. You're making fun of the people who it's aimed at.
1: Right. You know, or you're glorifying it, it or putting in a, it, yes, a spotlight that, on it or exactly. something like that. But, I mean, but you yes, you are, putting these a movies,
0: you are putting um, a spotlight on it, but in a way where we're trying to show you this is stupid. But right. some people don't see it that way, and I don't know if that's ever going to be the same again.
1: I mean, you know, talking about Judd Apatow movies, there's a lot that you could go back to in Superbad or 40-Year-Old Virgin or a lot of these other comedies, um, you know, where things don't age well and you kind of, those jokes don't land the same way. The gay jokes, you know, the racial jokes, some of those things. And and even going back and watch them now, you can kind of tell, like, you know, classic movies that were um, considered, you know, great satirical works like uh, Blazing Saddles or, or Airplane, right? Some of those movies you look back on and it's like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the, those same punchlines don't land as much anymore, but I don't think you get rid of them. I think, you know, it's, it's important on the, um, the audience to realize, you know, and judge for themselves what, what they deem to be appropriate or not.
0: We all adjust West. That's what it comes exactly. down to. Life
1: is, that's why I love baseball. It's a game of
0: adjustments. And that's what life is too. And everybody will adjust and we'll find that ground that works well.
1: Let's, but, let's adjust to the comic book minute. What do you say? Whoo! so,
0: <laughs> okay, we have Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and TMNT that crossover continues this week with issue 5. I'm very excited about that, but the real big news for this week, if you give a damn about the DC about DC Comics, then you got to got to got to read the first issue of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's DC Death Metal which starts this week. Mm. I am reviewing it for Geeks Worldwide as, as I am uh, Nightwing Annual 3. Those will be up midweek. But I already read DC Death Metal. Obviously, I can't give any spoilers away, nor will I in the review. But I'm telling <laughs> you guys, it is well worth your time. I was... Uh, I mean, I already was excited going into it. And I know they have a lot of stuff branching off of it, too, that I've been teasing on Twitter. But, man, this... The first issue, it's exactly what I wanted. Because just... just I think the best way to encapsulate it is, and you'll appreciate this, Wes, mm. everything matters.
1: Okay. You got my attention now. And, and if I'm not mistaken, you know, I know I'm not a uh, aficionado of of comic books by any means, but Scott Snyder and Greg Capallo, Uh yeah. two big names, right? If I'm they, not are
0: they are huge. Yeah. Capullo is an outstanding artist. excuse in, in, me. Yeah, you're good. Um, but he and Snyder are outstanding. They've done a lot of great Batman work together. And uh, was it? Um... Uh, man there was they just did a dc black label one that i love there's a three issue miniseries and i cannot recall the name of it. i reviewed it all but they they do they do an outstanding job and i think this is their last big thing together right now and at least in terms of batman-ish stuff because it's always you know batman's always important um in any kind of big dc event but yeah they they're outstanding i mean everything they read is great i mean in in was Scott Snyder still has his ongoing series uh, for Image? What's it called? Undiscovered Country that came back up last week. I read that issue again. Outstanding work, but yeah, awesome. I, I can't anything that Scott Snyder reads, even if I haven't read it, I recommend
1: you read it because he's awesome. Period. Um, but, now is in the point in the comic book minute where I might say I'll, I'll read this. and might give you an <laughs> endorsement because you do you have kind of piqued my interest, but in all reality, I probably won't. I um, that's okay. nothing for a lack of effort on your part. You know, that's just more of a me thing. I appreciate it. I just,
0: it's more for, uh, you know, the few listeners that we have that like to read this stuff. <laughs> I can't stress it enough, guys. The first issue was outstanding and I trusted Snyder. Think about it like this. I had high expectations. They beat those expectations. So, okay. you know, you're, you're looking for, it's like, it's a little different than how I felt about um, uh, King of Staten Island.
1: A little different, really huh?
0: A little, little okay. different going into All it, right. I would say.
1: This this is the episode of Segways. I'll tell you, man, we've been doing a real bang-up job, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back here, but because we are getting into our main topic, which is, of course, uh, the King of Staten Island. Uh, You want to give us a synopsis and rundown of that, Nick? Yes, sir. Scott has been a case of arrested development since his firefighter dad died. He spends his
0: days smoking weed and dreaming of being a tattoo artist until events force him to grapple with his grief and take his first steps forward in life.
1: Nice. I like that. That's a solid synopsis. And, of course, this is uh, directed by Judd Apatow, uh, starring Pete Davidson, who is Scott Carlin, Uh, Marissa Tomei, who's playing uh, uh, Scott's mother, Margie Carlin, Uh, Bill Burr, who is the boyfriend of Marissa Tomei. Uh, His name is Ray Bishop, who does a great job in this. I thought that was one of my main takeaways. Uh, Maude Apatow plays uh, Pete's sister, uh, younger sister, Claire Carlin, and then Belle Powley, who was another – actor who really came away in this for me kind of really stood out plays uh pete's girlfriend longtime friend love interest uh kelsey Uh, and this has a 7.2 out of 10 on imdb and uh kind of right on cue has a 71.90 critic audience split on rotten tomatoes with a critics consensus of quote the king of staten island's uncertain tone and indulgent length blunt this coming of age dramedy's ability to find itself but pete davidson's soulful performance holds it together. Hmm. That's I
0: think that's a pretty good way of, of laying it out. Now coming into this.
1: Yeah, that's a good uh, like tweet length description or, or review of the movie, I think. Yeah. Coming into this,
0: I it was not very high on this movie going in because I'm not a Pete Davidson guy. Mm-hmm. I don't find I've seen bits and pieces of his stuff and some of it's kind of funny, but usually, I haven't watched his stand up, but he's never really hit home for me. Now, I will admit too, when he started dating Kate Beckinsale, that pissed me the hell off because I love Kate Beckinsale. But I think and... it came
1: out now. I'm not too much of an entertainment uh, gossip sleuth, but I believe Kate Beckinsale said that she just dated him for publicity or to kind of like, you know, stir up the social societal norms of an older woman dating like a young bad boy kind of. Huh.
0: Bad boy, that's our that's our new bad boy now. Well, you know the
1: tattoos and stuff. No, I
0: understand. You know, yeah, I understand yeah. what you, I understand. You're just telling me what's what's been said. I, I I'm just like that's that's Pete Davidson is our bad boy now. No, he's like a hipster, like, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: he's yeah. not
0: a bad. That's not what I think of when I think of bad boy. But then again, Flash Thompson, you know, our new. That's not my Flash Thompson. What we see in Homecoming, right? And right Far right, from right. home. But uh, that's good to know. That that's why she did it. I mean, that's not really a good thing to do to to a person. I, I so that I don't appreciate Kate that's doing showbiz, that to anybody. Baby. But maybe as, as long as Pete knew that, I guess whatever. But that that bugged the hell out of me when he was dating her because, like, how the frig does that happen? <laughs> I mean, he gets Ariana Grande, okay, everybody gets lucky once in a while. That's really lucky. But then you get Kate Beckinsale. What the frig is going on? But that so that's not a I don't know if it's a fair reason to not like somebody, but I was just, so I was jealous. Whatever, whatever you want to say. But going into it, I was thinking, eh, this isn't going to be funny. Pete Davidson's supposed to be a funny guy. What are we doing?
1: But. <laughs> I walk away with this with an eighty-four score, Wes. Where do you put it? So you know, just to touch on Pete Davidson, like I wasn't a big fan of him until I saw his stand-up. Um, you know, I thought the whole thing with like I never really understood the Ariana Grande, uh, Pete Davidson thing. I never really saw the appeal of it. I wasn't really watching Saturday Night Live, so I probably didn't get um, you know good exposure to him or, or you know really saw him at his best or worst. But once I watched the stand-up, I thought I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, his, uh, kind of like deadpan, dark comedy is kind of hit or miss forming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on certain topics, I think it's great. And other times it's just kind of like cringy, but, but overall, you know, I like this movie. This is a classic Judd Apatow movie in the sense that, you know, it's probably about 15 or 20 minutes long. I think it's at 137 minutes. So, you know, over two hours, which for a comedy, um, or a dramedy or however we want to describe this movie, probably too long in my eyes. Um and it gets like very serious and drags out a bit in that second or third act. Again, I think that's a classic staple of of Judd Apatow movies. Uh, but that that said, I thought Pete Davidson was good. Uh, I really hated his character, which is probably a testament to the job that he did. Even though this is somewhat autobiographical, um, and and I thought most of the laughs, uh, while this was a drama, uh, you know, a drama with comedy elements, I thought most of the laughs came from like the supporting cast and the side characters. So yeah. I, I, 80 out of hundred, I thought this was good. I, I, I was looking forward to this. I thought it was going to be a little bit um, funnier. Like I thought it'd be a more comedy with, with drama elements. Instead. I thought that it was kind of flipped. Um, but again, I thought it was really well done. And, uh, and, and 80 out a hundred, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with an 84 and I could even argue that maybe at
0: first I had a little bit higher, um, I like an 87 and then I was thinking, well, Is that, am I just saying it because I just watched it and I really, and I thought it was, I don't want to say powerful, but I really felt the emotions throughout the course of that movie. So that's why I I docked it a little bit. Because Mm -hmm. when you look at the plot and everything, yeah, we've seen things like this before. It's a redemption story, coming of age, all this different stuff. But Pete Davidson's acting job in this, I'm not one to say uh, comedians can go and be real, like real actors, we'll call it. I, mm-hmm. I don't like that. Like when Jim Carrey did and I haven't seen much of Jim Carrey's like real acting, serious I guess we'll stuff. call it. Yeah. Yeah. Serious stuff. But I, I right away I'm like, how am I going to take him seriously? But I don't find Pete Davidson immensely funny. So maybe that helped in the course of this because as much as you, know, I don't watch Saturday night live either. I've never been a big SNL guy, but you go and watch different clips of, of comedians. It can be on Saturday night live or any of these different things you see a couple jokes or you see some of their best hits. Usually one's going to land and I've yet to, maybe I've found one that landed with him mm-hmm. and it just, but there have been plenty others who I'd never heard of, never gave a shit about. And they're like, Oh wow. Like this person's friggin' hysterical. And then I, you know, go and watch their, you know, more of their stuff or whatever. I've never had that with Pete Davidson, but man, I want to see him in more acting roles. I honestly do yeah. after this. I think he was impressive. I I just I fully bought into his character. It was he was cringeworthy at times, but it was. I mean, grow, like growing up in a small town. I'm not saying like small town Mass versus Staten Island. I don't know what Staten Island's like, but you mm-hmm. when you grow up in a small town, you deal with. There are definitely guys like this or kids that you grow up with that are like this. And sometimes you, maybe you stay away from, them. I kind of got to know everybody in my age range in high school, cause you know, small town and everything. And I just saw, there were certain people that I saw in Pete Davidson, some of the guys he hung around with sure. and I oh, yeah. felt that emotion, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think, um, again, like him and his group of friends are really tough to root for, um, uh, throughout and especially like in the opening scenes and stuff. But, um, I, I kind of was hooked, and, and this kind of ropes into you know what we liked about this movie. But it, it roped me in immediately in that opening scene with him on the highway, he's playing Kid Cudi. That was another big takeaway for me. I really enjoyed this, so- the soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack really represented uh Pete as this kind of hip hop guy, but. Um, you know, it's kind of like emo rap or kind of poppy rap and stuff, and it kind of represents that, um, you know, Staten Island uh, atmosphere uh, pretty well. So I like that, but that opening scene of him kind of driving, closing his eyes and, and then trying to kill himself pretty much and then and then pulling uh, pulling away at the last second saying, I'm sorry, and it opens up like that. I thought that was, uh, you know, a really great move. And, you know, Judd Apatow and Bill Burr have been making the rounds on all the podcasts, you know, to kind of promote this movie. And mm-hmm. one of the big takeaways that I've heard from some of the other interviews um, was that that scene on his first cut wasn't the opening movie or opening scene to the movie. It was somewhere else or maybe it wasn't in there at all. And then that was added in. And they that thought, you know, everyone kind of the consensus opinion was who worked on the film that this was something um, that really, you know, set the tone for what they wanted to be. And I, I thought that really hit the nail on the head. Definitely. That's a yeah. That was a great decision on their part. I don't know
0: where you would have fit that in. Otherwise, maybe after the whole robbery stuff, where he kind of went, you know, he as he's on his roller coaster ride, where he go takes that big dip back down with his friends, right? That could have, that would have been the only other spot that I think you could have fit in. But this really, you know, it, it gets your attention right away. But yeah, I, I think I thought Burr was outstanding in this too. Well. I think it was very good. I don't want to go and say like he deserves an Oscar or anything
1: like no, that. No, so I, I think he might be. And this started picking up steam again on those uh those rounds and you know stuff doing the media rounds with all the different podcasts and some hmm. a lot of people before seeing this movie were I think it was on part of my take were saying like you know you, you're up for an Oscar right now for best supporting actor. You know, if for nothing else is that there you know the lack of uh competition or, or well, other movies true. out there. Uh, but true. I thought he did a really good job. I mean, you talk about a comedian uh, you know, having a tough time maybe transitioning into the acting world. I mean, that's Bill Byrne. I thought he has done a, did a really good job, you know, playing someone that's kind of like himself. You know, obviously hmm. he's a Boston guy, but kind of has some like Dennis Leary, like asshole, kind of uh, smug and, and snarky. But, you know, he's, he's kind of like a cool guy if you get to know him and, he, you know, just kind of like busting balls with the guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that's perfect for that kind of firefighter mentality. So I don't think he strayed too much from – um, you know who he is, or what his act is. You know, on stage, I right. think what the serious tones and the love scenes, and you know that that dialogue with Marissa Tomei. Um, I thought you really showed him. Um, you know the type of actor and type of range that he has. Outside of that horrible mustache, it was tough uh, watching that mustache. And, and you're a facial hair, hair aficionado, so I, I need to I need some input on this here.
0: Fair, fair enough. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think any mustache pretty much is bad. I mean, yeah, you have some that are funny and you look at them as a joke, but when you have one you, all the time, I feel like you put yourself in, in like a box. I don't know, like my grandfather had one as, I mean, as long as I've been alive, he's always had one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, to me, that just, I, I don't know that to, for me, I'll always associate a mustache with older people because he's always had one. So I just find it a little strange. That's why I would never do a mustache for real. I'd only just like when I'm shaving, see what it looks like. Actually, when I was a kid, when that's all I could grow, yeah, I could grow a mustache.
1: But, but yeah, he had the handlebars, and it looked like it wasn't even well groomed. It looked like it was just kind of like floating above his upper lip, or like think over about his it, upper this guy lip. Is a
0: mess too, right? At the end yeah. of the day, he is a mess. So it's you bets on the Jets. So, I mean, that uh, tells you everything you need to know. That was so honestly, that was one <laughs> of the best moments of all. Of it. <laughs> I got to chuckle out of that one. They're,
1: like, they're yeah. gonna
0: come back. <laughs> they're never coming back.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and even like all his references to, uh, you know, sports references where like, you know, Pete Davis is uh, like, I'm 24, you know, he's like, just for context, like Roger Staubach won a Heisman, did a tour in Vietnam and was drafted first overall by the Dallas Cowboys by the time he was 24, know, you know, just for context, you know, <laughs> like, uh, Yeah, I thought that was hysterical stuff. of like, you know, a, a real macho, you know, guy who works with the fire department, only being able to relate to things in real life situations through sports. Yeah. I I just thought that was like really funny. Like their only connection to the world is to be able to make sports metaphors.
0: Yeah. It's, it's that he brought the glove to the game too. Right. Yeah.
1: Come on guys. You don't do
0: that. That's just, you only do that when you have a little kid with you. That's it. Mm -hmm. But look, he was, he was very good. But what, just when I think of Oscar, I mean, I, I think of just, I, you're right. It's just there's not there's not a lot of competition this year, so that that's yeah. fair. I don't know if it has to be a theatrical release though, because of that, and maybe no, that... I don't.
1: I don't think so. I think this is still fair game. Okay, well there you go. It's like Netflix, right? Because The Irishman got all these uh, nominations. They had basketball. a theatrical release too. Oh, did that? Yeah, but that I think that was like Scorsese related. But I think mm. yeah, you know, there was other ones too, like Roma, right? Wasn't Roma and like uh, a couple other Netflix movies that were well nominated. Very anyway, right.
0: Anyway. But, but yeah, but he was. But either way, he was. He was really good. I mean, in, in, when you consider what's going on this year, then yeah, I he could be up for. He could be in consideration for that. But I wouldn't necessarily yeah. jump the gun on that.
1: I mean, just think he's the leader in the clubhouse, just because you know it's like him and Tom Holland from Onward. You know, it's like yeah, you know, <laughs> you're know. not really a whole lot or whoever voiced you know the side character and trolls. You know, it's like not really a whole lot of about action. Lord Raiden
0: in Mortal Kombat, Legends of Scorpion. Or yeah, there Legends of yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But seriously, I, I th- think with Bill, Boer, Boer, wow. Bill <laughs> Burr, we know how much of a dink he can be. We've seen it in the stand up and everything. He can really lean into his Boston. yeah. And he didn't go full tilt other than when we first meet him. He never went full tilt and. That's why I found it so such a good job by him is just he, he I wouldn't I would think he would have gone too far and not whatsoever. I mean, he was the only moments where he really went. He ran hot too, obviously, in the fight.
1: Yeah, that was it. It made sense. Yeah, and I love too. Like you know, he comes in hot after Pete Davidson gives that his kid the, uh, the 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 you know start of the tattoo there, and he's like really laying into Marissa Tomei and everything. And then he comes back and he's all like soft voice, and he's like, "No, yeah. no, it's no problem." Like, <laughs> like, yeah, was, was, like yeah, that was how did she not see through that? You know, that, uh, that's what I would. It, it seemed like you know such a veneer of kindness, and it was clear that he wanted something, which is again a very like common theme and tropes that you see out throughout this movie is that a lot of actions are motivated um by selfish thoughts right because that, that kind of uh all ropes into pete when things are unraveling for him he's got nowhere to go and he's only doing visiting these things so he can get something you know he's visiting his buddy in prison and he goes and uh hangs out with uh kelsey again all because he's got nowhere to stay and he yeah. just wants something out of it so i think i think that's also kind of interesting you know Bill Burr's only being nice because he's trying to get into uh, Marissa Tomei's pants, which I don't blame him for. She's still throwing gas. Uh, I'm not sure how old she is, but you know she plays a great single mom, and and that whole like. um whole kind of the of market game, on right? that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly between uh, Spider-Man and everything, right? I mean, uh, it's it's May, nice. You know, single parent, right? I guess that that works out. But uh, you know, I think she does it really well because I I lived with my mom. Uh, my brother was seven years older than me. So it was just her and I in the household for a long, long time. And once I was out of the house for college, you know, things started changing around the house. I didn't, my room wasn't the same way anymore. Things definitely like from an interior decorating standpoint altered. She didn't really care about me as much, you know, as you kind of see with like <laughs> Mercy Tomei, like drinking the wine and kind of laughing at him, you know, it's like suddenly that, that dynamic does change. And she was doing it on her own for so long that this was like, her break, right, and that's what yeah. like that's what um, you know Pete and and Maude Appetower or, or Claire were talking about in the certain movie. Like she deserves this break too. Right. This hits. This hits you. Does this hit you differently than it hits me? I gotta imagine that it did. Well, that that kind of stuff did. You know, obviously, my dad's still very much in the picture. You know, so <laughs> I never dealt with like loss or anything like that. Sure, but sure, sure. Um, you know, from just from that idea of you know a single mom getting her freedom back, so to speak. Like that's something that definitely stuck out to me because of that uh, related experience. But I thought she did a really good job of it too. Um, Yeah. And and kind of sold it well. And she, you know, like my general thought on Staten Island, right. It obviously carries that perception of uh, being on a, landfill which i believe is is an accurate statement like it's actually like an island of trash if i'm not mistaken uh but you know the people there are, you know they don't get an influx it just tends to be people who are just stuck there and live there they're lifers um and it's just kind of like a rougher around the edges type of crowd you know um and i thought that really they they like did a good job of trying to actually kind of capturing that because i thought a lot of the people were scumbags I mean, if that's if that's what they're if that's what it's really like, then yeah, that that's what I got out of this
0: movie. That Staten Island's certainly not Long Island. That's definitely what I got out of that. Um, it's true. But I thought Tomei was very good. I thought the support. I actually really in, in the whole supporting cast and everything. I thought it was all. I thought they all did a really good job. I think the the knocks really what it comes down to is that. It's a redemption story, and we've seen those before. And we've seen, you know, people go through ups and downs, and you know, battling drug use, battling loss, and all this different stuff. And we all don't get me wrong; we all like those things. And that you kind of your movie can be fine if you're taking that approach. But my biggest thing was that the acting jobs by some of these characters was was out, these actors, excuse me, was outstanding. And Pete Davidson was the biggest one because he just seemed. The, I don't know if it's just – it's the little things. The, the little things are what I look for now more and more as we look at these movies. You know, you and I have talked about it how now where we try and look at it critically, which I think you do a better job than I do because your grades are always lower than mine are. I try and still – we still try and enjoy it too, and I don't think it's that hard You know, when it's a good movie. But I just find myself paying attention to the smaller details now, and those carry the movie in a different way for me that sure. I didn't realize – they ever would. And it just things I never knew to pay attention to or didn't catch me. Maybe people normally do. I don't know, but there was just something about Pete Davidson's character where he could just slip into making something about him all the time that it just seemed that it's just, he's always a sad case. He's always, you know, yeah, yeah. In the second, something kind of good is going. He just finds a way to make it bad because he can't be happy. He won't allow himself to be happy because that means he's being happy without his dad there. And he feels guilty for that. So, I mean, that that just spoke, I don't know that, that I, that's the kind of stuff
1: that just sticks out. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, listen, I thought he did a good job. And again, he was very frustrating at times, which (sighs) like we said earlier, you know, is probably an attribution to the job that he did as far as approaching this role. But I mean, very tough, tough, you know, hard guy to root for, Um, you know, we could bring up the question of whether he does redeem himself. You know, I think he has those redeeming moments when he's going on the walks with uh Ray's kids, right? To school every day. I think, you know, that definitely um has you know that redeeming factor. But even the end, you know, at the end when you know he's he's starting to get buddy buddy again with uh with Ray at the firehouse and and he's like you know, doing some work and stuff, like I'm not sure. He was pretty big asshole throughout everything. Like he was
0: but you know what the the scene and again I don't know if this is a little thing but to me this is I think the most important part of the movie and why you can believe that he is going to continue to move in the right direction he said it his mom always put his dad on a pedestal right and that's mm-hmm. tough to live up to because he was a, he died a hero but then you learn from from his firefighter buddies at that dinner where they're talking about his dad right. that he was a screw up too. He, he liked to mess around and he had fun. He could get away with shit, blah, blah, blah. And then guess what? And then we hear the same thing about Steve Buscemi a little bit, how he was you know, he was using cocaine. He was an addict. He went through all that too. And look at him, he's fine. To me, that's the kind of stuff that I think is important for anybody that watches this, especially if you know someone who is a mess, because hopefully they can see this and it's like, well, you know, you, I've screwed up a ton in my life. And you've, we've all screwed up. But you can come back from shit. It doesn't matter. It, it just makes you it can make you a better person because you've had those screw ups along the way. I think that's such an important lesson that I think gets lost on a lot of people and myself yeah. included sometimes.
1: And, and I think um, you know Steve Buscemi did an awesome job on this. you know I kind of played yeah. that role very well of that kind of like fatherly uh, firehouse chief guy. And I, I loved everyone, Jimmy Tatro. Um, you know, all the guys, <laughs> the guy from the wire, uh, who was also a part of the firehouse there, but you know, and I, I thought those, that back and forth was kind of good. Um, you know, it gets a little cliche when they're doing like the montage scene of spraying him with the water and like the pranks, like that's like yeah, all right, a little hokey, but my, my favorite one was when he was, uh, when, when, uh, Scott was getting told about, um, Bed bugs, what bed bugs were. And then that that fire, that firefighter was just going on and on about these bed bugs and the way that they mate and they run you out and how uh you know it, it ruins relationships and how you know it drove his wife away. No one wants to talk to him, and he's like, it just leaves you alone. Yeah, <laughs> that is part. brutal. But you know who's there for you in the end? Ironically, it's the bed bugs. <laughs> like I just lost my shit, like I rewound it and like watched it like two or three times. That that was like one of the lines that really stuck out to me. The, the look both ways, like how that kept getting brought up again between the ex-wife and then Ray and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was really funny. Um, and and then the I, I think it's it's uh, Marissa Tomei's sister. You know when when she's kind of laughing and they're making fun of Pete when he comes back. You know and uh, he he goes to make fun of the aunt and he says uh, eat a dick, Joy. And she yeah. just responds like quick. You know and sipping her like. 3 p.m. glass of Chardonnay. She's like, I had one for breakfast. I'm full. And I'm like, just like quick as a whip. You know, I thought that was great. And like, you know, New York women um, have this type of like loud uh, persona. Like, you know, they're very uh, loud with their flashy hair, flashy clothes, big hoops. You know, they're very loud in their persona and they're very like opinionated and very outspoken. And I thought they got that really well. And I thought, you know, with Kelsey, I thought that was something I, I wouldn't have liked about her. That kind of like, you know, very thick accent sort of thing. It's like, you know, usually not my style. And I came away liking her a whole lot because, you know, she, I thought she was very real. Um, And, and like the only th- person who kind of saw uh, Pete Davidson for being like more than what he was portraying to be hey,
0: behind every great man is an even greater woman. And that's truth. And for him, he's, you know, he's, uh, he was, uh, subpar guy and he had a woman who was better for him better than yep. him excuse me but her yeah her joke she was pretty funny i mean we'd heard that jack nicholson joke before but the way yeah. she delivers it too because she's <laughs> she's going super fast and that just i don't know the delivery on that was huge and the yeah. other one too yeah. that she said that i loved is when pete's helping her through the the or i'm sorry uh scott's helping her through the um through the test right before she goes in and he's like, well, "Is this a math test? I, I thought it was all city stuff." And she goes, "You have to prove you're not stupid, then you can work for the city." Right. That was right, right. that's that's government in a nutshell. Or maybe that's not their test. I don't know, based on what we've been seeing so far. Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Yeah, it's good. But and the other I, thing, I, like too, that line too. I thought it was weird that they kept pushing the uh, city planner uh, storyline with her because it wasn't like I felt like it was like in the forefront of a, of my mind throughout the movie, but never really. Like, played a huge part into the very end. You, you know what I mean?
0: So, you off
1: base on that? No, I mean, it was there, but
0: it wasn't when we saw it early on. And I'm con- I a little confused about what yeah, you I mean. I think
1: it was like kind of like a random thing to throw in there. And it didn't really have much uh, like consequence to the movie. Like, I wonder why they wanted to make her a city planner. Or I think like, it's because, uh, yeah, well, I, great, you know. Okay, now I get what you mean. I think when I look at it, it's this is the girl that he's
0: with. And she wants to, or this is an important person in his life that he could continue to spend his time with. And she wants to continue to grow. She wants to, you know, shed her cocoon and whatever, and move on to bigger things and and try different things, put herself out there. Where Pete is saying, "I want to do more. I want to do great stuff. I want to do more than what she's even saying she's going to do." Or sure. I'm just going to stay here. I can't go. I can't put myself out there. It's not the right
1: time. It's not going to work. Now now I, I just this just kind of popped up on the fly here, a little light bulb moment, if you will. Uh, you know, city Staten Island is something that needs to be uh, she wants to rebuild and make up and, and get people to come back and believe in the city again. Uh, something that's kind of down a city that may be down on its luck per se, uh, mm-hmm. maybe overlooked by the other boroughs of the city. And what is she trying to do with Pete Davidson? The very exact same thing. So all right, I figured it out. I liked it. I'm back on board. Very true. And and speaking of their relationship, too,
0: after the joke, when they're when she's going in to take the test and everything and she's like, I'm gonna, was it three hour and 45 minute test? Yeah, and he, of course. He's not going to go anywhere. He's going to stay there. That's what any any guy who's head over heels for a girl will do something like that, especially when they're like really in that good space
1: and and in the doghouse. Right. Like He's trying to like win her back. Yeah,
0: but they're getting, they're like, it's like he's kind of eked his way out of the doghouse and they're in that good space. So he's mm-hmm. on, he's like, he feels that. He's excited. When he started to walk away, I just, I don't know why, but mine my, my, my went there, but I was like, and, and I'm just waiting for something to come out and say, and that, or like Morgan Freeman to voice over, and that's how Pete Davidson joined SNL.
1: Right. So yeah. Like something yeah, exactly. like that. He just walked down to uh, 30 Rock and just was like, hey, yeah, might, might as well yeah. give it a shot. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, I'm here. I mean,
0: I guess because some of this is, I mean, you saw at the end the dedication to his dad. I'm sure there's quite a bit of this that he pulled from um, pulled from real life experiences and everything. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. But he was obviously a lot more motivated, too, because, you know, he he was uh, very much into stand up comedy. Like, you know, Scott is supposed to be. Um, A tattoo artist, but he was a much better stand-up comedian. He was very ambitious. I believe he like started doing stand-up at like 13 or 15 years old or something like that. Did he really? Um, Maybe somebody
0: he knew. I mean, yeah, he's He's like 26 right now.
1: And actually, I think Bill Burr told a story recently that like, you know, Pete Davidson was like obsessed with Bill Burr, and like his mom, um, you know, reached out to Bill Burr and said, "Hey, I would love for you to meet my son or something after a show or or what." He's really into comedy, and like she kind of really like pushed him and like brought him along to a lot of these things really yeah because he's young like he's like a really yeah, young well, guy he's 26 years old i'll tell you what shit the
0: more and more um the more and more i hear about him now the more and more i like him because i mean yeah me, yeah right it's kind of a kind of a Dude cool Bryan's. thing.
1: Well, was I there don't... anything that you didn't like at all about this movie
0: i mean look i'm being nitpicky when i say this and i get it like you've i docked it 17 or 16 points how am i being nitpicky it's just that yes, it's, it's a type of movie we've seen over and over again. And I get it that that has to happen in the way they went about this redemption story. There's a lot of just, I guess, similarities to other ones that we've seen or coming of age, however you want to put it, Mm -hmm. because I think it is both of those. And maybe that's where the uniqueness lies, but I just, I I look at it and I say, this is a very impressive movie. The acting is what carried this above all else. There was, the writing was good too. Um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know why, but I can't, I, can't, I couldn't put it in the nineties. It's not like this crazy groundbreaking, holy shit movie. I've we've like never seen before or story we've never seen before. And I guess, I guess it kind of takes me down that far. I don't know, but that, that it just felt like the right score at the end of it all. But the biggest thing is the, the, the plot, I guess is.
1: Yeah. Be before, Did you think that when uh, Pete Davidson or, or Scott said he had a planned breakup, uh Ray and his mother, do you think that he was going to go sleep with his ex wife? Did I think Pete was going? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I one hundred percent thought that. Right, and I was like, yes. I was like, what's going to happen here? They're going to do it in like their her like kid's room or something. Like I thought that was what it was going to be. So I was kind of surprised that he was just trying to get dirt on him. And Bill Burr has a great line. He's like, Yeah, you go to the one person who hates me and get the worst review possible but you never thought to go to you know the firehouse where these guys love me and and talk to them about me you know you you were looking for a bad answer and that's what you got of course yeah which is a a great commentary if you want to extract that and put that into a lot of uh real life situations people usually (laughs) uh look for the answers that they're seeking (laughs) yeah that's that's very true that is a great way to put it how did you what were the things you didn't like so, yeah. So, I mean, I think the formulaic thing was pretty spot on, you know, I, generally what I would say with Judd Apatow movies is that they, they cram in so many jokes through the first like 45 minutes. And then suddenly they're like, oh, shit, we have to have a story here. Um, and then then they like takes another 30 minutes to get the story and wrap that up. And then there's like some great, ba- great, big grand finale to it. This one didn't have like it wasn't like jam packed with laughs, like, you know, knocked up 40 year old virgin uh, stepbrothers, that sort of thing. Uh, but there was that like long drag out of like okay you broke up the family now you have to get back together like i just it felt like we knew what was going to happen just from the previews and, and knowing you know what this movie was about and everything and just kind of based off pete's life like you could kind of see where this is going and it just felt like it took a long time to get there you know it felt like the audience was already in on the storyline and it was like all right, let's go. Let's get to the point. Like, I'm not sure if I needed to see uh, the the breaking and entering scene. You know, like obviously that, that's a little bit of a wake up call for him. I don't know how he doesn't get away from that. I don't know how the cops don't look at the phone of uh, all their friends that he's calling nonstop at the time that the crime is being committed, and then be like, oh well, who is this guy? Yeah that's true you know?
0: that's true that is a very good point because yeah i mean he keeps he kept texting him what the fuck what the fuck which is not what you're supposed to text them by the way right. it's supposed to be yeah. you up
1: you up right yeah and they're like what a jackass right Like can't even spend 20 minutes to go help out his buddies like commit a crime like he has to go on tinder or play a game like he's that add that uh... yeah,
0: they, now that was another thing too he said that you they said he was a bad lookout but he wasn't really a bad lookout, the right because right, they they were already
1: in there the whole time, right? Exactly. Okay, that's least, what I we don't see that. Um, you know, maybe that's a, a leap that we're supposed to take as an audience, but at least that wasn't shown to us. No, um, yeah, you, know, you got so to show us that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were already um, in there. I already touched on a little bit the montages, right? The montage I wasn't a big fan of, like the the college party scene. Like, is that what cool people do? Is that they just like vape and blow f- fat clouds now? Like, I thought that was a little dumb. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's college parties are stupid, you know. I mean,
0: that's what we did too. I mean, not
1: that thing well, necessarily. I would necessarily. Like to say I was a uh, classy gentleman at all of uh, the frat parties that, that we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely.
0: I mean, I mean, I mean, I wasn't there, so basically anything you say to me right now that you did at college parties, exactly. I'm going to take us No, back.
1: we were uh, you know black tie events, and um, you know one or two beers per person. Uh, we never. We try to use our six-inch voices. Yeah, you know, just gentlemen. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, all, all I can say is that the parties—I would say, I ninety percent of the parties that I went to, maybe ninety-nine, didn't have any smoking. That was pretty much it, other than oh, cigarettes, yeah. I guess, or cigars. That was it. No, no weed because we, we were athletes, so when we got were athletes. Breakfast.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you didn't have that as much it. fun as anyone else. Uh, the yeah, the other works. thing that that kept kind of reoccurring that I thought was very weird. Uh, this like ancestral obsession that Scott has with his mother, like having sex and like her, like being like very conversational about it and like having to peruse dick or like talk about like Ray's dick size and stuff like that. You know, it was just that I like, was, that was the, the ex-wife that talked about raised dick size. Uh, was no, Rick, it's a callback when he says that, like w- when he's asking about uh, his father to, to uh, Marge. Oh. Right. And she's like, he had a very big heart and he's like, like ray like ray has a big heart she's like yeah yeah i guess they are similar that way it's very clear what they're talking about she's like biting her lip and kind of like off in the distance thinking about it you know kind of like daydreaming about it sort of Mm -hmm. thing like the whole thing was very weird just like the conversations that he would have with uh claire like about their mom was like like, i don't know maybe maybe i was just like grew up in like a very like prude maybe prude isn't the right word but like no 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 no, no. I I had some friends who were like very open about their like sexuality and stuff with their parents and like that was just something that just was never discussed
0: yeah I mean that's I'm I'm pretty much there with you that there were definitely there was definitely some weird weirdness to it but I just think now that's becoming more normal that's why I don't find it strange just because we were we've been exposed to people I mean this was a little bit over the line
1: but I mean, I don't know. I just feel you like know it's started- real issue Is that uh, incest porn is normalizing uh, incest right now. That, that, like, Game of Thrones and everything, you know. It's That's like- true. Yeah, Game of
0: Thrones. There, Yeah, don't let your kids watch Game of Thrones. It's going to mess with their heads. Yeah. But I'm sure Bill Burr had to have a say in his ex-wife reciting that he has a big dick. You know he
1: has. <laughs> He was the subtle winner out of all that, yeah. When I yeah. saw
0: that, I was like, and Bill Burr is very happy about this. Yeah, part. he's
1: like, I'm going to do this script, but I have one note. It comes right here. If we could just do one little line change, uh, I'm in, I'm in. Uh, But no, so I think the general consensus is is that we like this movie. I think most of this stuff, you know, it's kind of nitpicky. And again, at the current time that we're at, anything to kind of get new uh, content that that it should be for theatrical release type of uh, uh, movies and that sort of thing. Like it's nice to kind of have that back in the fold again. So I'm definitely happy about that. Um, But let's, let's do a little pivot here. So let's do, our uh, top five Judd Apatow movies. Um, yeah, you know, where and where does this rank in it? So, you know, I think he's directed 21 movies. Uh, he's like produced like 70. He has like 70 other producing credits, whether that's TV mm-hmm. or, or movies. Um, so, yeah, you know, whether he's a director or pr- producer, um, what are your top five uh, Judd Apatow movies?
0: Well, I mean, th- the, we watched two movies a lot when I was growing up. One was Daddy Daycare. I mean, little kids, it was perfect. My dad got Eddie Murphy and, you know, we were kids. Not a Judd Apatow movie. Not a Judd Apatow movie. But the Judd Apatow movie that we watched a ton and more was Talladega Nights. So much that my mom, who does not quote movies or anything like that, even gets our movie quotes. And even, I think, has dropped a few in her time. So we watched that a ton. So that, for me, is always going to be near and dear to my heart. Uh, of course, Step Brothers, Anchorman, both. Great comedies. Anchorman mm-hmm. 2 was shit. Yes. And then Bridesmaids was friggin' hysterical too. I've actually only seen that once so I gotta watch that again. Now, oh. there are a lot of Apatow movies that I haven't seen. like, I, I, But there are... I, I have seen... Um, I have seen the five-year engagement a lot, actually. That was on like HBO all the time when I was in yeah, college. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I feel like we watched it like every road trip we were on. We go into the hotel room, you turn on the TV, see what's there, and you go to HBO. It's, it's freaking five-year engagement every time. I think we've, that by that, at one point, we were like, you know what? Let's just freaking watch it on the bus. So
1: we all get it out of the way, and then we'll be done with it. Um, but I got that just- myself into some hot uh, hot water with a five-year engagement. I swear on the life of me. Uh, that my wife Jules and I had watched this movie previously in in our old apartment. I am like 100% certain. And it got to the point where I would make references from the movie, and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, which isn't anything different. Like, that always happens. But I was like, no, we watched this movie together, and then we rewatched it. And she's like, I definitely never saw this movie. And I am 100% positive that it's it's her. Because, like, this movie came out. I don't know when, but it's like I—I I know that we watched it together. Like I am so sure of that. 2012. Yeah, I—I'm fairly. I think we started dating in 2014. Um, so i am like fairly certain. Like I don't think I watched this movie in New York uh, when I was living there or anything like that. Uh, so I like, but again, it's like you know that movie just got me into some a little bit of trouble. <laughs> That's the kind of shit
0: I forgot about. I haven't. I haven't had a girlfriend in a while. i That's the kind of shit I forgot about that
1: you got to deal with. Just mixes. Oh, fuck. But I, no, no, I'm I not even that. admitting that I did that. Like, I, don't, I know, I you, really are. I don't know think, you are. I know you are. I really don't think I did. And if I did, I wouldn't be putting it out on the airwaves that I you know, like, admitted that wrong. But Ooh, of I, course. Like, I swear uh, that, that it wasn't happening. It's like I can't convince it. Yeah, you know, I, I can't prove otherwise. It's just that he said, she said. And if yeah. that's the case, I, I lose. Yeah, but, I would just leave it. Because I'm
0: sure that Jules is thinking what I was thinking, and that's why I said it.
1: Oh yeah, no, she was 100 percent thinking
0: that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I would I would probably just leave it. You, so you never saw the five year engagement with her. You watched it by yourself and whatever. Um, but yeah. that did, honestly, again, I get worried about recency bias. But I really like this movie a lot. Like again, I, I, there are it's not about its flaws, but all movies. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at of Dega Knights*. Of course, it has a ton of flaws. But I'm looking at my favorite Apatow movies. Again, there are some of his big ones that I have not seen, and I won't take away from your list why I'm not reciting them, but you can probably you know, draw, figure it out. King of Staten Island is going to make my top five.
1: That's number five for you. Yes. Okay. But, uh, so recency bias.
0: Well, no, more. So, I'm sure that has to do with just as much that I haven't seen some of the right. movies that you're going to list off. Well, so there's, there's
1: like a list of like 20, uh, 19 movies, including um, uh, uh, King of Staten Island here that like I've all seen, probably all of them. I think there's only one that I haven't seen. Um, And, and he's either been a producer of some sort or, or directed it himself. And these are all like great movies. I think not in my top five, you know, King of Staten Island is not my top five. So it goes uh, heavyweights, executive producer on. Not my number five movie. Love that movie. Childhood movie. Saw it in the theaters. Watched it recently when it was, when I got Disney plus again, still holds up. Great movie. Um, Number four, probably bridesmaids for me. Uh, no, no. So I'll go pineapple express a, a nice, like buddy cop, funny movie, big Seth Rogen, James Franco fan. Um, And you get, uh, what's his name in there? Danny McBride, who's awesome as well. Uh, bridesmaids. Number three, Great movie, great female lead cast, female version of a lot of these movies. So I, I, I think that was a fantastic movie. Rewatchability very high. And these two, I think you can kind of inter- interchange them. But uh, much like you said, Anchorman, Step Brothers, one two two one. However you want to put them, uh, the quotabilities of those movies. And when you know Anchorman hit me, I saw that in theaters a couple of times. Step Brothers, I thought was going to be so stupid, I didn't even bother. And then it had this life on cable TV and like DVD and everything and this kind of like college culture oh, yeah. and um, I, I loved it at that point but yeah. like this this is like the list of some of the other movies that he's done so I think it's like top 10 like bottom top 10 that makes sense mm-hmm. maybe like 11 or 12 like King of Staten Island falls in here but other than the five movies we just named we have this is 40 knocked up forgetting Sarah Marshall get him to the Greek train wreck the big sick which I haven't seen that was with a uh, Kumal Nanjani um the 40 year old virgin cable guy of course uh Mm. the ben stiller and uh jim carrey movie uh super bad kicking and screaming another underrated will Farrell movie oh that is a very underrated one one, yeah Uh, walk hard the dewey cox story talladega nights like you mentioned and of course the infamous five-year engagement so like that's that is a hell of a hell of a fucking yeah, catalog. It is now. I have not seen. I, I hate that
0: I haven't seen Pineapple Express. I never saw that. I saw oh, Heavyweights. I yeah, forgot that one. was an Apatow movie. Obviously, a very good one. Kicking and Screaming. My dad. My dad's a big Will Ferrell guy. But that was another one. But yeah, this is 40 year uh, forty-year-old Virgin. I watched. I don't think I've watched all of Knocked Up in one sitting. I think I've seen like watched some of it at one point, then some another. So I've never really been able to fully appreciate it. And then forgetting Sarah Marshall and get him to the Greek. I, I never watched any of Get Him to the Greek. I've seen parts of forgetting Sarah Marshall, but I just, I think that the seagulls in that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's doesn't always, like, again, I know he's five year engagement. But he doesn't always hit me the right way. And Russell brand is not for me.
1: I so, agree. I'm not a Russell brand fan. Uh, I would suggest I love forgetting Sarah Marshall and I love Get him to the Greek. Um, I'm not a Russell Brand fan, but this is like the uh, lone capacity that I can handle him. Hmm. You know, I, I think he's kind of funny, and, and it gets like, you know, I've watched those Get Him to the Greek's on Netflix right now, and I've watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall like a ton of times. So, you know, those like he gets funny to me. Like, you know, I don't think of him so much as like a like a douchebag. Like, like he's playing in the movie, you know. Okay. But yeah. I also just kind of t- see him as like a caricature of himself. Yeah, you know, which okay. is funny to me. In is Jonah Hill and Get Him to the Greek? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, he
0: stars in it. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was number two. Yes, yes, the other reason why like Jonah Hill, like he's he's fine. I mean, yeah, obviously oh, I'm a Jonah Hill fan.
1: It, oh man, we're we're super, with disagreements.
0: Super bad was obviously you know that was a huge movie when when I was in high school. I want to say. Sure. So, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I respect him for for I don't know if respect's the right word, but appreciate what he did in that movie. But I don't know, I've just never been a big Jonah Hill guy necessarily.
1: But. Well, you are dead to me.
0: Well, I mean, whatever. I can live with that. You were dead to me when you said that Mortal Kombat's uh, Legends, Scorpion's, Revenge sucks. So uh, you're probably dead to me sooner than that. Who am I kidding?
1: Anyways. Wow. Uh, wow. Um, that, was, uh, that was a lot of heat you just threw my way. Let's go over to the quarantine corner. Let's cool things down a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, all
0: right. So, like I said, I've been watching Lucifer, and that is based off of Neil Gaiman's Lucifer from Vertigo Comics, which is part of DC Comics. So that's why I wanted to give it a shot and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's uh, who's the guy that directs the show. Oh my God. Uh, uh, Breck. No, I can't remember his name. Breckheimer. Jerry Bruckheimer. Jerry Bruckheimer. Thank you. So, so, I mean, I think he, I've seen a couple of his shows where it's like, this is, it's the same kind of thing, the way it's shot and the, the, the arc of it, but there are some differences I think in, in, but all around, I really enjoy Lucifer's character. And there are a couple others that I enjoy too. And I'm, blanking on their names because they got these biblical names um but his the character who plays his brother the character who plays his right-hand woman i really enjoy them the, the dynamic that they have but in terms of plot and everything, it's like eh, okay like that like that's fine i just i'm there for the uh, what they bring to the table as characters more so than anything else um i've also had a really odd string of watching a lot of um comedy specials.
1: I've, I've been on a similar kick. Uh, we've now, gone in two very different directions from from the notes here, but I'm interested to see your takes on this. Yeah. Well,
0: you first... You've talked to me about... Who's the guy that's Spider-Ham in...
1: Uh, oh, John Mulaney. So I watched... 3 John Mullaney specials. I just because... rewatched a uh, New Kid in Town which okay, was Okay, that was uh, one of the ones New that I watched or something. Yeah, it was really good. What's the is it Sack Lunch is that one of his things too? Oh, but that's like yeah, but that's like with like elementary school kids or something is it... kind of like a musical I think. I, I'm not sure I, it's, I don't think it's a real stand-up special. I think it's I haven't kind watched of that like one. a um, like a a comedy or like a multi-purpose, like singing, dancing, acting Mm -hmm. kind of variety show. That's what I'm trying to say. Right.
0: Okay. So I haven't watched that one. I was told that it wasn't that great, whatever, but I watched all his other stuff because you've told me and now I've had other people saying, watch it. Fine. Whatever. I have the time now. So I don't have a freaking excuse. So I watched those really enjoyed them. Now, when you said before about Pete Davidson and how you haven't really watched SNL, one thing that I get a lot of is it, Oh, uh, what I—it's the British like late night talk show. John uh, Oliver or Trevor Noah? No, it's 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 a. I think it's a BBC show. Graham, uh, I can't oh. I can't think of his name. I'll yeah, I'll look at it yeah. when you're doing your um when you're quarantine corner. But I see all of his clips on Facebook because I mean the, the actors are always funny and they, or they have good stories. Mm-hmm. And then somehow I started getting more roasts put onto my stream, and somehow yeah, I came.
1: Was, I was going to say that he does do good roasts. So, oh, oh, uh, Mulaney. Oh, no, no, no. Pete Davidson. Oh, okay. Right, right, right,
0: Okay, yes, exactly. So I've seen some of his stuff in there, but then I came across Nikki Glaser, who I think I'd seen before but wasn't really familiar with, and I was like, holy shit, this chick is fucking hysterical. And then I was like, I got to see if there's there's like some stand-up or whatever. I mean, every, every, every comedian's got one stand-up on Netflix, so I went, looked, found hers. I also found another t- separate 20-minute thing on a new show, but holy shit, anything that this girl does – I need to see. She's hysterical, wildly, wildly sexual, and uh, she doesn't. She doesn't care. She just. She knows where to push the boundaries, and actually, even there are times where she goes a little far for the crowd. But I love it, man. She just.
1: So whew. I'm not a big Nikki Glaser fan, uh, probably for a lot of the reasons that you just said. Like, at some t- like it was along the same reasons why I'm not crazy about Am- Amy Schumer stand up. Sometimes I just think it's like uh, sensationalism, just for the sake of getting like a rise out of the crowd and it's not necessarily like comedy you know it's just Mm -hmm. kind of like shock humor um and that's why you know you you would say it's like very sexualized i think she had a talk show on um comedy central that was very like really much like based into it i I, like watched a couple minutes of it um Mm -hmm. it just didn't really do it for me i think that's obviously better suited for some of the roasts i think she's done well in some of the roast uh stuffs there but um yeah. Not, not for me. I'm not, I'm see, not a big fan of hers. I don't like Amy Schumer either.
0: So, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen any of her stuff in a while, but it just didn't hit me the same way. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. By the way, the show I was thinking of is the Graham Norton show. Oh, okay. Yes. I don't know what so you're talking about. I never seen it other than on Facebook and somehow Facebook knew, cause they always do that. Th- this was going to be perfect for me. And I friggin' I love all the, the, the clips that I see from it, but I, so by watching Nikki Glaser or searching for her, different female comedians showed up when I was searching on Netflix. And then I saw some Whitney Cummings stuff, and they were, I read had, her. Yeah. there were two on there. The first one, at least I think her first one on Netflix was from 2010, a little bit different, not great. It was it was fine. Mm-hmm. But the second one, which was, uh, I believe – I didn't write down the name, but it's the more recent one. I think it came out last year or was maybe she- two years ago.
1: Talk about like doing, uh, like having like a sex doll made out of her or something yes, like that, yes. right? I've heard that like publicized, I, I did not seen that stand up special. That's yeah.
0: she does that in the more recent one, and I really enjoyed that whole stand special. The sex doll stuff for me wasn't crazy funny, but the stuff earlier on talking about dealing with workplace shit, mm-hmm. I really liked that. Then I watched this other one from Taylor Tomlinson. I don't know that I laughed out loud. I maybe had a couple chuckles in the course for Wait, all. Did she
1: do, uh, it was her like up special on Netflix. Was that something like a midlife crisis or quarter life crisis? Was that what exactly what was? was quarter life. Yeah. Crisis. I, I've, uh, I've like watched the intro to that or, you know, the the preview and just kind of, kind of went over it. Um, but Eliza, right. So she's, she has a couple Netflix specials, right? Is that, I uh,
0: only watched is elder, glasses? elder millennial. Uh, she's not wearing glasses and knees in any of the uh, pictures. I mean, so, she's she's the
1: blonde chick. Uh, I'm thinking of someone else
0: okay well, she is she was hysterical elder millennial couldn't re- recommend it more is just okay. so many. I mean she's on the so she's thirty five when she did this. I don't know if it was a year ago or whatever mm-hmm. um but she's I mean she speaks to a lot of things that you and I will get and I think I recommend that one above
1: I'll that a shot yeah
0: maybe again it's and it's there is some sexual stuff in it, but not as much. So if you're not into that necessarily,
1: no. Then... It's just, sometimes I just think it's a cop out when that's like the majority of your act. Like, you know it, it's that's almost like you know, you that. can't come up with uh, like anything that's funny. So I'm just gonna gross you out and shock you with like this very graphic uh, sex joke. You know, you know it's yeah, like, it just seems like a cop out. Yeah. And
0: that's not what uh, Eliza
1: does. Eliza,
0: what's her name? Eliza? Is that what it is?
1: Yeah, that's what I would say.
0: Okay, so it's I mean, it's spelled with an I. That's all. It's not like Eliza Thornberry for anybody wondering, but. What has been going on with you in the, in the quarantine? Uh, yeah, so
1: I I watched uh, Joe, a couple Joe Rogan specials, um, and a Kevin Hart special as well as like I just oh. said the, the John Mulaney uh, new kid in town. All of those are great. You know, I think the Triggered was the Joe Rogan one that I saw, and I forget uh, might have been like a 2015 um, Kevin Hart special. He has like five or six up on Netflix, and then I started watching a Bill Burr one after I watched The King of Staten Island and fell asleep. I love Bill Burr anyway. Uh, but my my annual, my weekly uh, golf update, so we have um, this was an ongoing round with my buddy Justin from uh, who I went to college with. So he comes down every uh, few weeks. He lives up on the north shore um, of Massachusetts. So he has a house down this area or his family does. So we always go out and play golf. So he was up uh, in our first round. He won fifteen bucks off me, um and uh, I lost by like a couple strokes. I think I think like four or five strokes, actually. He played really well. Uh, this week we played at a course that I hate, um, and I I won. I guess one hundred three, one hundred five. We both played awful. It was like five or six beers deep. You know, it was just a tough course. Uh, so I evened I evened it up, but it was it was a struggle. I was very bad off the tee. Got to go back to the uh, the lab and kind of work some things out. My saving grace, uh, my putting game and my my interior chipping game uh, from like a hundred yards in or so uh top notch that's what, what saved me every time sounds like it was a battle of attrition it was and it was funny because like, you? he was really good off the tee and then that mid-range level where i struggled but like had like seven or eight holes where he three-putted on and that's where i i made everything back up you know uh, three seven or eight holes where you three put what are you doing dude yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's a tough course. You know, I'm not gonna uh, shit on him too much for that. It, I hate that course, Cape Cod. What Country Club. Uh, It's in Falmouth. Cape Cod Country. Club. It's a great course. Yeah, I'm not like speaking ill of it, but I, I just don't play it well. Like it's in great condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arnold Palmer has played it there before, uh, so it's, it's it's pretty cool stuff. But yeah, team uh, course. I also ate out at not one but two restaurants this week. Good Outdoors, man. Outdoors. You know, got food served me. I told you on Friday, and then I had a little uh, dinner with uh, Julia's family and my family as well. Uh, so nice six party uh, table, and it was just nice to be back there. Like I said, have a professionally made drink, professionally made meal, sit down, kind of overlook the Cape Cod Canal. Uh, you know, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, I think
0: as we everybody's starting to open up, I think we should all try and be mindful of the small businesses that have been. You know, screwed in all of this. I mean, yeah. it's no one's fault. I mean, it, it's understandable that they had to shut down and everything. It's, it, I think we got to. Tr- it's all if we can, if you can, we got to try and help out. I'm trying to find all the different places that I care about that are special to me, or if I know someone that works somewhere, maybe even I don't go there a lot, at least go there once. Yeah. You know, to try and help out and just do it, just the little things. But if we all do it, it goes a long way.
1: Absolutely. Like you said, uh, you know, I got my haircut recently, which That's was right. nice. I went to a local barbershop. Looks like you're going to be doing the same pretty soon. Yeah. yeah it's weird that. though. That you have to like I'm not a planner by any stretch of the imagination. You know, like mm-hmm. especially if I'm like out having fun, like I'm just kind of like flying by the seat of my pants. That's usually where like my best work gets done. So the fact <laughs> that I have to like call ahead and be like Hey, are you open or do I have to make a reservation or, you know, what times are you available for me to come by? Like whatever the case is like that, that's an extra step that is really frustrating to me that I haven't really come to grips with yet. <laughs> well, I'm used to that with a haircut. I mean, I've, I always thought that was pretty. No, walk welcome, man.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, but I like super cuts, which were, were ma- I think I got master cuts when I was a kid, but I always buzzed my head. Yeah. Oh, now yeah. I have like real, a real haircut, like an adult, like you.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, what the fuck are you saying to me, Brian? Yeah,
0: I'm saying, well, how have you not dealt with that? Always where it's just you have to... I mean, my place does walk-ins, but I don't know, yeah. right now, especially just busy, I don't know. I yeah, don't freaking know.
1: Walk in, hey, I'm spurring the moment guy. I want to go. I got some time to kill. got an hour. Let me go get a haircut.
0: So what do you do when they're busy? Are they never busy? I wait. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm there, man. Once I'm there, I park it. All right. Well, there you go. Good for yeah. you,
1: Wes. <laughs> Uh, next week. So maybe Artemis Fowl. Yeah, I'm fine with committing to that now if you want to. I guess so. I'm, I'm terrified of committing. Is that pl- too much planning right now? No, let's do it. Let's lock it in.
0: All right. Artemis Fowl on Disney+. Plus. Everybody make sure you watch it.
1: Until then, Wes? Yeah, same bad time, same bad place. Baby.